0: One quick message before we start today's show. I want to tell you guys about a great libertarian blog called The Liberty Theorist. The Liberty Theorist is where our friend Brad Tracy discusses all of the shady things government has been up to and why libertarianism is the only viable way to keep power out of the hands of government. Brad is a Rothbardian libertarian who believes that the U.S. is desperately in need of prison reform. I'll give you a uh, hell yeah to that. I agree there. That victimless crime should be abolished. Yes, agree with that. And that we need to end the welfare, warfare, and spy state. Yep, follow along with you there. And that true free market capitalism is the only way to go. Well, socialism kills human production. Can't argue with that. Bottom line, the government should stay the hell out of your life. You can find The Liberty Theorist by going to medium.com slash at, that's the at sign, Liberty Theorist. You can also find it on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Liberty Theorist. Check it out today.
1: Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of
0: Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here at Lions of Liberty, we have a bit of a uh, variety channel. My Friday show, Felony Friday, is one of the great shows, but there's two more on Monday and Wednesday. Monday's show hosted by Mark Clare, Wednesday by Brian McWilliams. They both bring their own flavor and flair to the podcasting game. Check those out. Subscribe to Lions of Liberty on your podcasting app to get all three. And today's episode of Felony Friday is another great one. I have an awesome guest lined up who is going to share another story of injustice in the criminal justice system, and we're going to shine a light, and we are going to keep the momentum going, keep the momentum going for change in the criminal justice system. So share this show, tell a friend, text it to a friend, tell a stranger on the street, I don't care. Enjoy today's show. My guest today on Felony Friday is Jennifer Holloway. Jennifer took a plea and was sentenced to 13 years in prison for conspiracy to distribute methamphetamine. She has some unique stories and some disturbing stories from her time in prison that we'll get to, including when a tornado uh, hit one of the prisons she was in and and the guards left the prisoners uh, high and dry and just, uh, just ran off and, and left them to fend for themselves. So we'll get into that story. Jennifer, welcome to Felony Friday.
2: Thank you, John. Good evening, everyone.
0: Yeah, well, but they won't hear this. Well, they might hear it in the evening, but this will air, um, you know, well, next morning, week. So it, it'll morning, yeah, good morning, it afternoon. be <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: good morning, good afternoon, good night, whenever, you know, it could be I yes. could listen on a Friday, I could listen on a Saturday or a Sunday, whatever, whenever they want to listen. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, Lynn Espeo, uh connected us and uh, you guys did did time together. I'm not sure in in which prison, but NPC we see Brian. Okay. <clears throat> And uh, she connected us and said, and said that you, you know, were a person to talk to who could give us some insight, really, on how bad things were uh, on the inside. And and I want to talk about that and get to your stories. Before we do that, I would like my guests to kind of set the table to give my audience an idea of, you know, your story, really. And I think the best place to start with that is really before you went to prison, uh, given some background on, you know, like where you grew up and uh, and what things were, were like for you uh, before that time.
2: Okay, I am a a um, a foreigner. Actually, I was born in Scotland. Hmm. I came to the United States in 1979. My father was a military man. Um, my mother passed away as a young child. I was seven years old. I came to America. Um, he remarried um, to a woman that had two other children. Uh, needless to say, my childhood it wasn't wonderful. Um, It was very abusive from mental to physical, to sexual, to you name it, okay? Mm. Um, I was a troubled teenager. I I was um, raped and assaulted by my father at the age of 15. I got put in foster care. Um, I was just, you know, a belligerent teenager at the time. Um, I got pregnant when I was 17. I had my firstborn when I was 18, i um, been a single mother ever since decided to move to Texas <clears throat> from South Carolina. Excuse me. Um, let's see. I have uh struggled as a single mom for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, you know, job to job, you know, from here to there. Um, I didn't graduate high school. um, but then I kind of, um, how would I, I'm going to jump a little ahead in my 20s. I had um, uh, met someone I had used very first time I ever used drugs. I was about almost 30. Wow. Um, because it was instilled in me by my father. Something good. Um, you ever try it, it'll kill you. So I was always scared that I was going to die.
0: Just any, any kind of drug? Anything,
2: whether it was smoking weed to, Mm -hmm. to anything. I didn't even drink alcohol because I was scared of something was going to happen to me. And as I got older, I had, you know, curiosity killed the cat. Nosiness will get you. And that's what happened is, um, later on um, in 2006, um, I was, I don't know, 35, maybe, um, And a friend of mine, well, was a friend of mine. If you would say she was a friend, she would have never introduced me to methamphetamines. But um, she told me, Jen, you don't have to struggle anymore with paycheck to paycheck to take care of these kids. I'll show you how to do it. And I was like, whatever. Anyway, needless to say, she showed me. I took it upon myself to make that money. Yes, I worked.
0: I worked. Um, what, what was your, <clears throat> what were you doing at the time for, employment? I've been
2: in sales working in call centers since 2001. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a talker as you can tell. Yeah. That's and, good. um, so, um, I started selling meth then and just trying to make it not that it's an excuse, but I did it. I'm guilty. Hey, um, one thing I'm not going to sit here and say is that I'm innocent by any means. Mm-hmm. I did sell drugs. Did I kill anyone? Not to my knowledge, no.
0: Um, Plus, it was it was consensual. You weren't uh, you weren't forcing people to buy. They farm. weren't
2: minors. I had a some kind of conscience, you know. They weren't pregnant. They weren't children. Mm-hmm. Um, I the group that was actually a part of this conspiracy was an Aryan Brotherhood group, and that's, that's interesting. Had, yeah, it's it's. It's kind of funny that you look like that because um, I had nothing to do with them people.
1: Yeah.
2: I, I didn't even know them people. Um, so I was questioned over and over and over again about these certain people. And I'm, I i don't know them. How, how am I involved with them? That's where the conspiracy comes in because it says knowingly and unknowingly participated in selling drugs with firearms and, and methamphetamines there was no way of getting out of that because I knew the guy that I got the drugs from.
0: Um, So the guy that you got the drugs from was connected to this Aryan brother. Yes,
2: sir. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, so then um, when he got arrested, here I lay the next day and got arrested too. They got my son and my girlfriend all at the same time. So they got all three of us, my whole family. Up, up until
0: that, up until that point in time, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, I'll do that from time to time um, just to get some more details on it. So up until that point in time, how long had you been selling for? And did you have any, any fear of like, of getting arrested? I mean, was that something that you, you, you know, dealt with on a daily basis?
2: Well, um, me personally, I thought I was untouchable. And I had been doing it for about four or five years. Mm -hmm. and I thought that it wasn't reality. It wasn't reality to me. I thought, okay, well, I'm going to work every day. I'm just doing a little, a little all on the side. Um, Personally, I don't think that I was doing that much, but they made it seem like I was some big kingpin in the end. Um, But I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it that I, I don't feel that I was a large partaker, Um, but if you asked the streets, then they would tell you differently.
0: Well, what it comes down to in in trials like this, right, is, uh, you know, how much other people say that that was being bought. It doesn't I mean, they don't need to actually prove it in any way other than just coming out of someone's mouth.
2: Well, they did get a phone call. I, th- that's what they got me on. There was a one phone call that said, um, the phone call stated, I need three, I have 55. That's the only words I said. But come on. I mean, reality, they, they're not dumb. They were watching this guy. They knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, this white girl comes over to get some stuff from them. Um, it's just, its you put two and two together, they're not dumb. But to... Two. Is that me? I think so. It is. I'm going to have to not answer. I don't know how to work this phone. Oh, that's my son. He got 15 years and he's home too. That's a, a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. Did he get, okay. did
0: he get out before or after you did?
2: Um, he got out after me. I got out May 15th. He got out July 16th. Okay. And he got 15. He took him to trial. That's a story for him to tell you. Hopefully I can introduce you to him and
0: Yeah, happy to talk with him.
2: He could tell you his stories are not as um, I mean my stories aren't as vivid as his. His or it's a male version, you know, which is totally different
0: than us girls. Mhm. Um, okay, where were we? Yeah, so so take us through um you get arrested. Uh, did you get out on bail or what happened from there?
2: Okay, so I got out on pretrial. <clears throat> um mind you, excuse me, I was on preacher. I didn't even know uh, it wasn't real to me. This was like when I, I'd never been in a courtroom in my life. So stepping into this courtroom, it was like law and order, something on TV. I, I was It wasn't real to me. and I was very sick, John, when I went to prison, very sick. I was very overweight, way more than I am now. Um, My COPD and my asthma was bad. Why? Because I was smoking cigarettes and I was doing drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, So they let me out on pretrial. They separated us. They kept my son in prison. They separated my wife and put her in Houston down in the Bay area in a rehab center and left me out to run the streets. Um, The, uh, the federal agents would come by and ask, you know, just, harass and ask me you know what I'm doing and and just meddling. And they had set me up to do a drug deal a week before sentencing, which is crazy. Um I had had a I 5 bedroom. The, the
0: feds were setting you up to do a drug deal to what to try to was it was it for you to try to get a sentence reduction or no yeah? to
2: give me more. They told me I was going to spend the rest of my natural born life in prison. So to make a long story short with this one is they set me up to do a drug deal. There was never any drugs. It was bogus. I was stealing these people that I was getting, supposedly getting the drugs for was an old contact of mine. Mm -hmm. And I had a five bedroom house that I had put in storage when we got arrested and it was behind on, on the storage rent. And so I stole that $2,000 to pay for my storage rent. Which I was sca- now that I was scared to death because I had never stole anything in my life. I felt really bad. You stole stole the money from who? From the, the customer that that were friends of mine. What mm-hmm. used to be my customers. Yeah, okay. Okay. I steal their money. Tuesday I go to a counseling session because I have to go to an outpatient counseling session session while I'm on pretrial. And they arrest me for violation. This was January 17th. This was before I ever went to court. So they arrested me and I was like, for what? And they were like, you know what you did? And I was like, I haven't done anything. So I was thinking it's because I was, my visited me and we weren't supposed to be around each other because surely then people didn't go tell the police that I stole their money on a drug deal. Right. You don't think like that. Mm -hmm. Well, they arrested me and told me that I, they the I told the his name is Jim Ellis, so I'll never forget it. I said, Jim, what did you arrest me for? And he's like, You know what I arrested you for? And I said, Sir, no, I don't. And he said, You stole our money. Yes, everyone laughs. It's okay, John. And I said, I did not steal anyone's money, they gave that to me. Um, so when it, and going to court on January 23rd, 2012, the judge said, you embarrass my court. You were at the wrong place at the wrong time, Miss Holloway. And I really honestly don't remember much of the sentencing day because, once again, it was not. I don't think I was in the right state of mind. It wasn't real to me. Mm-hmm. But my family says that I was really rude and belligerent and ugly to the judge. So, I I'm can the imagine same.
0: the amount of the amount of stress that you're that you're under at that point in time.
2: Uh, I, and never being in handcuffs and never been in jail. Never, you know, mm-hmm. so it, it it was a life-changing experience, I will say. Um, will I say I had the best time in there? No. Will I say that I learned about myself in there? Yes. Mm-hmm. Have I healed? Absolutely. Were there terrifying times? Tornado Alley, Aliceville, yes, sir.
0: <laughs> so let's let's talk about that. Let's go to that first. Okay. What what happened? And so when the tornado hit, at what point in time was this during your your time in prison?
2: This was February second, two thousand sixteen, and I had already been down for. 12, 13, four and a half years. Well, um, it's a normal Tuesday. I think it was a Tuesday because it was commissary day and we're leaving. Um, you know, I don't know if you know about Aliceville, but it's a massive medium security prison was built for men. Okay. Okay. They lock you in cell doors. There is no dorm or, or open bay. It's cell doors, two bunks. You got a toilet and a sink. It's just like County jail, but, it's it's a prison. Mm-hmm. You got a little bean chute you can open up and <clears throat> see out. Well, three thirty rolls in. We all got to go in for lockdown. Bye bye. Say bye to everybody. About count times four o'clock. So they count us. And my bunkie has this. Ra- you know we have the radio going, and she was like, "Girl, tornado's fixing to come." And I said, What? You know, I've never seen a tornado in my life except on TV. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a hurricane because I'm from the East Coast, but never have I seen a tornado. And so I was like, You're so full of it. She's like, Yeah, for real, girl. I'm telling you, a tornado's coming. So I look out the window, which is, I don't know, it's pretty big, but it's got the big bars in the middle. So I look out the window, and all of a sudden, the whole sky turns black. And she said, before she could finish saying the word window, she said, get away from the wind, and bam, the window shattered in my face. Wow. Okay? Now, um, when I say shattered, it was more like, you know how a windshield on a vehicle with that tempered glass, it just um, spiders? Mm Mm-hmm that's how it was glass came out but it didn't get in my skin or anything Light did, did the, something
0: did something hit it something hit the window or
2: no I think it was I remember I remember the toilet going and the air changing in the room
1: mm.
2: um because the way the building was built is like this. And this is the front of the compound. And this is a building, one building here and one building here. And so when it came through, it it came like this towards us. I wish I could draw you a picture. Hmm. And now there's another unit on top of me. So I was in B1 and these girls were in B3, which it took the entire roof off. Wow. Praise the Lord that nobody got killed. Wow. Because there was wires hanging, water was dripping, no air. There was no air because the, you know, the whole ventilation system had been just, it tore up the whole compound. Well, needless to say, I think we were locked down for February 45 days, 40, 30, almost 45 days. They let us, they didn't let us out for almost two weeks with no shower, no email, no nothing. Wow. Um, no phone calls. Um, I don't even, I I barely remember a lot right after it happened because I have seizures. And as soon as that thing hit the fire alarms going off and I had a seizure. So my bunkie helped me. Um, I do know that those women upstairs—they left them upstairs, standing in two feet of water, um, no so air. They, our,
0: so they had food. no roof, and they just left them up there.
2: Well, just, they had a roof, but it—I don't know how to explain it. Just, it took the whole. Yeah, they left them up
0: there. There's just it just, it just leaked, it. just leaked. I mean, I'm sure, anyway. and
2: it was very dangerous. One of my um, softball girl softball friends. Um, actually called a news station and the warden took her into a closet because the whole front of the, the prison was gone. So there wasn't even a, a warden's office and they, she took her in the office into the, I'm sorry, into the closet and told her who the hell gave her permission to call a radio station. And it was only like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And she told her, the girl told her, well, you did y'all approve the number. But the food was rotten. The milk was spoiled. Um, They would give us bread. It had green mold. And I know that in trying times, um, desperate measures, I mean, desperate extremes requires desperate measures, but we're not animals. At the Mm -hmm. end of the day, we made our mistake. Yes, we're going to do some time. You know, Aliceville is different than where other places I've been because Aliceville, there are killers there. There are baby killers. There's murderers there. There's bad people at the FCI's in the women's facility. You know, there's no uh, uh, classification with us. You know, you're either at a camp and a low drug crime or a white collar crime or you're at the FCI because you're a bad girl. Um, I think Aliceville was the worst experience I've ever had.
0: So what what happened after the 45 days? Did they transfer everyone somewhere else or what did they do?
2: So immediately, I think immediately, 500 girls were shipped out at midnight. I think it might've been two weeks later because they started packing everybody up and we were like, where the hell is everybody going? And so they Ship 500 girls out. That's when they started moving the girls from B3 down to B2 and over to, or down to B1 and over to B2 because C unit was hit too. Not as bad as B unit. So you had a, this is B unit in the middle and C unit was like catty cornered like this, but there was no fence anymore. There was no wire fence, Bob wire fence. Mm -hmm. So We all had to stay inside, locked in our cells. Then they started letting us an hour, an hour a day. You got to either shower, phone or email or use the microwave and get hot, hot water. Now, there wasn't as many women in the unit in the beginning. I think there was 54 to 74 in the unit in the beginning. But once you brought all the girls down and moved them over from the other Units, it became hectic, and then they started refusing us stuff. So the girls started throwing food and started a whole riot. It was crazy. Hmm. It was crazy. Was I scared for my life then? Yes.
0: Were Were there fights or?
2: Um. Well, we were locked in. Yeah. So, but prior to the tornado, yeah, they fought all the time. And and the officers would just watch them. But I've seen them. I, I've seen them sling some people around. I've seen them talk to us like we're dogs. Um, I had a couple officers. I had one guy. He was real ugly to me. And I told him, listen, man, you know, I'm a big woman, John. So um, people say I'm intimidating. I really don't mean to be. Mm-hmm. I'm a really this big inside. Uh, but don't miss. Don't be ugly to me if I'm not ugly to you. If I don't deserve it, then I'm going to come back at you. And I told this guy, this officer, one time, I'm not your daughter. I'm not your wife. First of all, I'm a woman, and I'm a mother. You're not going to talk to me that way. And
0: what type uh, of stuff was he saying? Can you? Can yeah, um, he
2: was rude and told me uh, to shut the f up. Yeah. And all I was trying to do was. Leave the actual room that I was, I was in, you know, they lock everything in the FCI's, but I was done with my appointment in medical and I was trying to go out the door with him and he um, was ugly and cussing. And I told him, don't, you are not going to talk to me like that. Needless to say, I went to the warden and she handled it, but there um, I've seen men walked off from sexual activity with women. Um, They've brought
0: in
2: contraband. They, it's bottom line when you you, you
0: say you say they they've brought in contraband. Who's officers?
2: Yeah, officers.
0: What type of contraband?
2: uh, Contraband, you know, cigarettes, perfume, um, (sighs) alcohol, little miniature alcohol bottles, and I only know this because I've seen it with my own eyes. I'm not going to say, well, I think that this is what's been done. You know, I've seen it with my own eyes. Um, have I ever seen officers walked off on the compound? Yes. Have I known about officers sleeping with inmates? Yes. Have I seen them sleep? Well, of course not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, same when I was in Mariana, Florida. There, corruption is all throughout the prison system. But it should be about rehabilitation and getting people better, Um, not about making it worse. I mean, you're supposed to be helping us um, to get better. And it's some of us come out good, and some of us come out doing the same thing all over again.
0: Hey, everybody, taking a quick break here from the show. Wanted to remind you all to check out... Uh, My man Tyler Colford, aka Crypto Man, and his new song Free Ross. If you didn't hear my recent interview with Lynn Ulbricht, that was episode Felony Friday, episode 230. Interviewed Lynn Ulbricht, played Tyler's song uh, Free Ross. It's fantastic, phenomenal, not just for uh, the message of freeing Ross Ulbricht, but overall for changing the broken criminal justice system all the proceeds from uh the free ross song hashtag free ross by crypto man you can find it on spotify and amazon amazon music 100 of the proceeds from the song hashtag free ross by crypto man go towards freeing ross ulbricht so please check it out
2: these are perilous times when they ruin your lives over victimless crimes and they sever your ties from your business loved ones and family why. Loose lay play, but they barely pay you. Don't care about work ethic or major.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's people out there um who would hear some of these stories and they would say, Well, you know, you shouldn't uh you shouldn't have sold drugs, or you shouldn't have committed a crime, or you shouldn't have done this, shouldn't have done that. You're paying the price for it. Prison's not supposed to be, you know, a vacation. I'll say that, but I mean what they're not thinking about is most people who are in that prison are going to be coming out and they're going to be in society. They're going to be your neighbors. They're going to be in your communities. They're going to be uh, interacting with you. They're going to be, you know, adding value to society. And why would, why would you not want people who in prison to get reformed to, uh, you know, have some opportunities to, uh, to grow, to, uh, to change. So I mean that, that whole I- like, I'm so sick of hearing that argument from people.
2: I think that first of all, the ones that are throwing those great lovely stones or, Oh, they sold drugs. They shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have done this need to look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And because I myself would have been one of those people and been like, well, she should have been selling drugs. That's what she gets. She should have been thinking about her children. She should think about repercussions well, okay, let's change the the role a little bit. Well, my husband was beating my ass. Not not me, literally. This is hypothetically. I've never been married to a man. My husband was beating my ass. And the only reason I stayed with him is because, oh God, he said he was going to kill my children or I didn't have nowhere to go. So does that make her any better than I, because she stayed with a man that beat the hell out of her and then wound up that child grows up in that, that environment of abuse. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the abuse that I got led me to what I did. Okay. But as psychiatrist, my opinion is no, I was grown. I made my own decisions to get my kids something better at the time. I thought it was going to be better. But I look at my 24-year-old now, and when I left him, he was 15, and he's angry, and he's bitter. And he reminds me every day, mom, I'm a grown man. And that hurts me because he's he suffered so much while I was gone. But yes, was I thinking about all those things that are going to happen if I did this, if I did that? Well, no. Just like a woman that her husband cheats on her goes out and she finds some guy she can pay him. I'm going to give you $10,000, $5,000. I need you to kill this son of a bitch. No, she doesn't think that she can get 35 years in prison for murder for hire. Mm -hmm. You know, all these people, well, I'm sure that they've never stolen anything. I was raised in a Christian home. Come on. It's it's not about, oh, well, they could have not done this or they should have, could have, would have. We all fall short. Oh, we yeah. all make yeah. mistakes. Oh, yeah. And if whoever can stand up and say, I've never done anything wrong, I'm I'm better than you, well, you're going to hell because you're wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And those people, I just wish that they would open their eyes and see that first of all, addiction. Oh, it's so sad. I've seen them, John. Mm-hmm still get high in prison. It's real sad. And it's
0: how do they get how have you heard or or seen people get access to drugs in prison? It comes through the mail, John. Everything
2: comes in the mail.
0: They just Um, don't they just don't because because you hear that they check the mail but they so they just they let it through.
2: Let me show you how they do the mail. Let
0: me see if I can
2: find a an envelope or something. So they get the mail. This is a letter.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. But this and matter of fact, you see this? That's funny. I pulled this out. This is a picture of me prior to using drugs. Okay. I just got these yesterday. And this is a picture of me the day I got arrested. That's a big difference. So life can change that quick. Yeah. But back to the drugs. This paper could be made of liquid meth. I got you. Yeah. And so they could cut this paper and eat it, smoke it. Yeah. It. The talent is, and it's really talent. It's really sad that you would say it like that, Jennifer. But they're so. Excuse me. They're so smart.
0: Well, you have. I mean, it, it is. It is talent, and the reason that that talent is applied there, it's misallocated, really, to the you know black market drug activity, is because of the prohibition on drugs. So you create this uh, this shady market that attracts you know risky individuals who you know who are looking to profit. If you had you know decriminalized drugs, legal drugs controlled by a, a market where you know. I think people would be less likely to to use meth or or heroin. I mean more people might be using marijuana i'm I'm sure they would if it, if it was legal but uh
2: if it it's no fun if it's okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: you know it, it's about the drive that is what it was for me. For me it was about the drive. um man, it ain't nothing to pay your bills. And give your kids a good Christmas, or go out there and say, You want this, baby? Or opposed to saying, I can't buy that for you, baby, because mama's got to pay the light bill or 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 pay the car payment. Now I look back and I'm like, damn, they didn't even need nothing. They had me. They had lights, water, and gas, and a roof over their head. But in the moment we don't think who thinks about repercussions after you speed down the freeway and you accidentally hit somebody or who thinks No, we don't think we're human. Mm -hmm. We, we, we don't think like that. I don't know anybody in the world that I've ever met, whether it's on the inside or the outside, whether it's a counselor or an officer or my boss that can stand up and say, yeah, I didn't think that was going to happen to me. You know, just, just, just last week, John, on the 10th of November, a young lady I was incarcerated with died. On October 31st, she said her feet were hurting. Mm-hmm. She thought it was from standing on her feet for 16 hours at her job. Come to find out she had um, uh, AML, oh. acute myeloid leukemia. Oh, my God. And was dead in 10 days. And at the prison, John, she worked out, was healthy. Wow. Just came home last year, got married, and now she's gone. Oh, my God. Wow. Does she deserve to die because she was
0: a drug dealer? No, absolutely not. No.
2: She made her mistake. She made a mistake. And I will tell you this, what I have learned in there is, oh, my God, there's so many young people. And when I say young, I'm 48 years old. I've been in there since I was 39. Mm -hmm. There's kids in there that are 18, 19, 20, 21 in their 20s. And they get 10, 15, 16, 20, 30 years. Some of them, my bunkie, she was um, 19, 19. She got a 16 year bid, John. And all she did was drive a car. When I say all she did was drive, yes, the car had drugs in it. Mm-hmm. Was she driving it from one point to A and B? Yes. Did she know there was drugs in the car? Yes. But damn, 16 years? It's That's your whole childhood. I think that... that, that I think it's broken. Our justice system is broken.
0: It's very broken.
2: Um, personally, now, I don't think that, that I think counseling is very important, but at the end of the day, counselors need to be counseled. They need to listen. It's not all about the money that you're getting paid just to counsel somebody. Some of us, and I say us because I am one of them, need to hear that it wasn't your fault. Need to hear that you matter and that you're not gross or dirty or you ask for it. And as a woman, we're very emotional, you know, and we take everything to heart. And so whether it's our father or our mothers or boyfriends or girlfriends or husbands are beating us down. And then we go do something dumb. We know it's dumb, but who cares? I don't have anything to live for anyway. So just go out and do something radical. And then, bam, you're locked up. And then you look around in the penitentiary and it's like, damn. Golly, all I did was sell drugs. That lady right there killed her baby while she was on drugs.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: or she had someone kill her husband because he was cheating on her. And so she was emotionally broke. I mean, I could, I could tell you 45 minutes is not enough. Cause I can talk, but
0: <laughs> keep, keep on going.
2: <clears throat> excuse me. There's so many stories that are going on in there. And I took counseling in there. Um, trauma classes, they're wonderful. So whoever is listening, they work. We've got to, the counseling that is happening in there, those classes, those, they're very important. And they're very confidential. And so if another inmate breaks that confidence and goes and tells another inmate someone's personal business, has it happened? Yes. As women, we're natural born gossipers. Um, but we're also very jealous animals, mammals, whatever you want to call us. So,
0: so are men. I don't think there's much of a difference there. (laughs)
2: Um, y'all would be ready to fight though. These women just spit box and they throw their mouths. And, um, I think that there needs to be more classes in healing. Um, I went to a trauma class. I went to, a boundary class. I went to a truth be told class that taught me to speak how I feel on what has happened in my life. Mm -hmm. And I can honestly say on this day that prison saved my life. Whether I was in there for, I think after the fifth year, I think it took me 5 years in there to realize, Jen, just sit down. This is not your life. This is not what you want. You need to do and be better for you.
0: It's it's interesting you say that. And I think you know I've interviewed a, a lot of people who have been to prison. And I would say that, yeah, the majority have probably said something similar to that, that that's what they needed. And this, mm-hmm. this has come from people that maybe they've been to prison before that three or four or five times, but then eventually it kind of sets in. Uh, but I think it has to be just the right time and the right place to make that change in your life. I don't know if that needs to happen in a... You know, prison environment. I, I mean, we were just talking about. I'm sure you would agree. It doesn't need to happen in the type of prison environment that we have today, where there's you know it's rampant with abuse and and all these different things, yes. and, pe- and people aren't reformed. But there has to be a better way to help people to get you know the the uh, the treatment that they need to get the uh, you know emotional help that they need. I don't know if that needs to happen in prison. I'd like to think th- that it doesn't. I-, I personally don't think anybody should be, you know, locked in a cage for selling drugs or selling a plant or selling whatever. If it's consensual and if there's no victim, I don't see any reason to lock anyone up in a cage.
2: I don't. Um, I mean, drugs are illegal. Period.
0: They they are. It's, I, I, it's I know. against
2: the law. Do I think that we should go to prison for? for selling drugs? No. Do I think we need to be sat down and reprimanded? You broke the law. You, you, you know that you're not supposed to do that. First of all, it's against the law. Don't do it. It's easier said than done. Our whole country since I listen, since I've been home since May 15th. And the things that I've seen what has happened in the last ten years.
0: Yeah. Well, there, it's speaking of breaking the law, though. There's a lot of laws right now in many states where you can't even go outside unless you're wearing a mask, or some places you can't even be outside your house if it's past 10 p.m. You're breaking the law. So not every law is just just because it's a law. Yeah. Not to get into debate on that, but.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, we were just talking about that at work. Jen, put your mask on. I'm like, I can't breathe. Yeah. Um, now at the camps, when I was at the camps, I was at three different camps. Um, I will say Carswell, they saved my life. Uh, they're medical, it's a medical facility, and they saved my life right out in the parking lot. I was blue and non responsive. Wow, and that was four months after I got incarcerated. Wow, and this is where I say. I thank the father every day. And you know, that saying you hear, Oh, you found Jesus in in prison. You found Jesus in jail. Well, I have a theory on that. And this is my theory Mm -hmm. as his children, whatever religion you believe in, we all have had children. And when your children are bad, what do you do? You put them where in time out. And if they keep being bad, Then you put them back in timeout. So I feel like God kept telling me, Jennifer, you're not minding. You're just not minding, baby. So I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to sit you somewhere. You have no choice but to mind. So I felt like God placed me in prison, allowed it to happen because it was destined to sit my tail down. And then realized that my life should have been focused on him from the get-go and not scrambling around with drugs and women and, and trying to be worldly and, and, and think that I could just be me and, and run the roost. Am I a Bible thumper? No, I'm not, I'm not by all means perfect. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, I have a record.
0: Nobody's nobody's perfect,
2: right? And religion is a very hard thing to discuss with people. But I believe wholeheartedly that day that I died in April of two thousand twelve, when I asked him, "Just give me one more chance, just one more chance," and he said, "Okay." And every day forward, I believe that a voice is all we need in the world. Is if one voice is heard, then that one voice can travel to many other ears. Mm -hmm. And those ears have a voice, too, and they're going to talk. So if we get enough voices and ears and combine them, something will change. People have been telling me for years, Jennifer, you can't change the world. I can't change the world. But if my voice can help one person, Mm -hmm. I've done my job.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, honestly, that right there, would you just explained, is the whole reason why I started this show to give yes. people like yourself a voice because, you know, for far too long and the atmosphere around criminal justice system and criminal justice reform has changed, especially in the past few years here. But for so long, I mean, people who went to prison, nobody wanted to hear from them. Nobody wanted to hear their story. No, nobody wanted, you know, you were kind of just marked from society and don't open your mouth, you know, just uh, just, just get in line. Yeah. And if you don't hear from those people, if you don't hear from individuals who've been through that, be it through injustice or be it through just experiencing how awful the prison system is, you're never going to change the system. I haven't been to prison. For me to learn about it and learn what needs to be changed, the only thing I can do is talk to people who have and give you a voice elevate it, give you that platform and, uh, and put it out there. And just like you said, who's going to hear it? Well, thousands will on this show and you know, they can tell other people they can, they can share the show with, with, with more people. Yeah. So it's, it's in today's environment. It's, it is possible to make a, make a massive change.
2: Yes, it is. And there are people still left behind that, mm-hmm. um, that that need assistance. They that they need that counseling. They need that, they need those ears to listen. I mean, right now COVID's going on so bad that that uh our prison system people, oh God, we were just talking about that. It's so sad because they're confining them to these small areas and not giving them the 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 toiletries or the necessities that they need. Mm-hmm. I mean, hot water for that matter. The girls in Bryan, I just heard, aren't even getting hot showers in their quarantine area. They're getting cold water. A mate, a makeshift, um, uh, they just made a, a, a shower in an old bathroom. And I know what the bathrooms look like. And it's not sanitary. But, oh, you're just an inmate. You're just a number. Drink some water and walk the track and take some ibuprofen. I've seen people die when they told them that. Yeah. Oh, this woman was so sick, John. She couldn't breathe. And they told her, take some ibuprofen. You'll be fine. She was dead the next day. Oh, God. She was walking pneumonia. She was fixing to go home and, and I think 40 days, something like that. And a month and a half, she was going home to her family. It, it, it's just,
0: see, that's, that's, that's a crime. That's a crime.
2: But it, they, they don't, opinion. they cover, it is yeah. it, negligence, yeah. negligence, ne- but it's the BOP. You can't sue the government. The government can't sue the government.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. And then they'll, they'll have the government investigate the government. Yeah, so that's, it's another, another thing there. It's like the police investigating the police.
2: Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's really sad. It's, it's sad. And I will say that, am I thankful I'm home? Thank you. Yes, am I thankful my son's home? Yes. Um. There's, you know, there's so much going on, and there's so many girls that that could tell so many stories, like Miss Mar- Marie Alice Johnson. I was in Aliceville with her.
0: Oh, that's right. I did want to ask you about that. Yeah.
2: Yes. That woman could get on the pulpit in the church and not be a dry eye before you leave. Yeah. Tiny's hall. She just left Brian. I was with her and Brian. I was with her in Aliceville. That kid got 35 years. It, in. Okay. I know that we broke the law, but As a judge, you have the power to take someone's whole life. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: You didn't even give us the life, but you have the power to take it. Those young kids and those people growing up behind bars, they're they're not learning anything. They're, they're, They're not learning how to live life. They're not learning to be social, what is the word to, to know how to socialize with other people.
1: Right.
2: You know, my son went in when he was 20, he's 30 years old now. Um, he says, he tells me all the time, I'm scared to get in trouble, mom. I don't want to get in no trouble. He's still living in fear because we're on this monitor. You know what I mean? Um, not that he's doing anything wrong, but, that fear is still there because he doesn't want to go back to prison and he's a black man. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. A black man in nowadays society is worse than it was back in the day. they just shoes people. And it breaks my heart that, that it's, it's come to that, but that's a whole nother story too. But the prison system is faulted. The justice system is broken. Um, Counseling, uh, you should the camps, John, are a waste of federal ta- people's taxes pay for that. It's it's at the camps. I'm going to lie to you. We just we would go to work and chill like regular life. But it's a small little city, small mm-hmm. little town. People called they call me pops in prison. Why is that? Because I'm a because I'm gay and I was everybody's um I always gave that good motherly advice Then mm-hmm. we have we 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 bond families I, a friend of mine told me this in Carswell one time she said they tore us away from our families only to build a new family in prison then only to tear us away from that one to go home and rebuild the one they tore us from in the beginning yeah so we got grandmas and and peepaws and cousins and sisters and uncles in there. And we make it all up as women because we're nurturers and we need that, that nurture. And so we're all in there and made our own little families and people cry and, and people fight and people get jealous. And it's just like a, it's, it's, you take, it's just a whole new city. And when you're in there for so long, my mind is a terrible thing. It, 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 it's a playful thing rather. You know, then when you get put in solitary, I was in the shoe. It's called a segregated housing unit for three mm-hmm. months. And Because my girlfriend and there's mom put money on my books and they couldn't prove it. So they removed me from the compound and put me in the shoe. They put for you in the shoe days.
0: because somebody put money <clears throat> Someone on put,
2: your books? Yes, they put money on my books. And I even told them. I didn't ask that woman for money. They had no proof.
0: Wait, what did I they think? The like I, I, I'm just not understanding why that would be a problem. What, what's the? What?
2: Because her, her, because she was an inmate, and her mom put money on, <clears throat> put money on my books. That's called giving and receiving uh, money from another person. And I told them, okay. President Obama can send me money if he wants to. Now, like, for instance, now they're stopping mail from coming into Brian. You can't stop federal. That's a crime. Mm-hmm. You can't stop these girls from getting mail. But they're doing yeah. it.
0: They're doing it. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Um, we could definitely keep going, but unfortunately, I do have, <laughs> I do have to stop here at, at some point. But we'll have to have you back on. Maybe we'll have you and Lynn back on together at, uh, at some point here. But I did want to ask you to, you know, end on end on a positive note here, kind of like a you know future looking forward uh, into the next few years. You know, you have you have your freedom now. What are your plans? Where do you see yourself? What do you think you'll be doing the next you know five ten years?
2: Well, I've been home for five months. I've had a job for three months. I got my own little apartment now. Um, within the next four months, I plan on having a car. And I'm going to be a grandma next month.
0: Congratulations.
2: Thank you. So um, I think in the next five years, hopefully I'll be off paper (laughs) Mm -hmm. and be able to be freer, but just live life. I only have one. And this is my second chance at it. So I just want to be a good grandma and a good person. Not that I'm not, but I just want to be happy. That's it, That's free. Good. freedom is very, very precious
0: that is that is the truth, and uh you know people listening to this, listening to Jennifer's stories, I hope that it makes you know everyone listening really give a second I mean obviously the the felling Friday audience understands the system is broken, but I would encourage you to share this you know, share this story, share this episode with someone who uh who might not know that, who might not have that insight who might be the type of person that would say, uh, you know, they made a mistake. They deserve what they get. So, uh, just want to encourage my listeners to share this show and Jennifer, thank you for coming on. Thank you very much, John. Hope you guys enjoy that episode of felony Friday. Another awesome episode. Just want to remind everyone before you get going here after your next, uh, next podcast or your shuffle or whatever it is you're doing with your, uh, your day today. I want to thank you for giving me your time and, uh, listening to this interview, I want to ask you please to share this with a friend. The only way that we're going to expand this message, that we're going to reform this criminal justice system, is by sharing interviews just like this with your network. Very easy to do. And I also want to ask you to please, if you have not yet checked it out, you need to go to the Lions of Liberty store. It's lionsofliberty.store. We have a bunch of new T-shirt designs, really interesting stuff, really eye-catching designs. Uh, Of course, our Taxation is Death shirt has been a hit. It's selling like crazy. We now have the, uh, the Tax On Wax Off shirt. Just awesome, and and there's more coming. We're really trying to get into uh, what we're calling it the Lions of Liberty brand of shirts. So, you're going to get the cool design on the front, and then up just real small, up by the tag on the back, you're going to have our Are You Ready to Roar logo. Uh, We're trying to, you know, take another angle here and influence people through, uh, you know, some snazzy t shirts. So, check it out lionsofliberty.store. And remember, if you're in the Lions of Liberty Pride, you get 20% off. So for as little as 5 bucks a month, you're going to get 20% off all your T-shirt orders. So to join the Pride, go to patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. And with that being said, guys, thank you so much for joining me. Have a great weekend or week or whenever you're listening to this. Just have an awesome day. I'll talk to you next week. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up. And the fire is a liberty burning.